What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 603 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk podcast, Hot Tags of the Week, where we're going to be breaking down everything that we feel like talking about that happened in the world of pro wrestling over the past few days, and we want you to do the same, so drop your thoughts in the comments below. I am your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always are Robert E. Felice. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Hey there. As I mentioned, if you are leaving your thoughts on the comments on YouTube, then make sure that you are also clicking the like button. Make sure you are also subscribed to this channel. Make sure you have your notification email alert set up. Ring that little bell so that way you get that uh, little buzz that we are going live for, not tomorrow, it's a Sunday. Sunday's pay-per-view of Forbidden Door. Obviously, go back and check out our predictions for Forbidden Door when we talked about that with the pay-per-view point predictions post yesterday. Ran down that card. And of course, if you want to click the join button, get access to the same thing as this Patreon or to us a little spare change our way with the thanks button that's up on there. Go ahead and do that. It's all greatly appreciated. Pick up some Roadbubble or Public merchandise and let's start getting into the hot tags. Look at that. We're really efficient. It's a minute 20 into this. <laughs> um, hot tag wise, I think that maybe this is one of the most boring stories that we could talk about. So let's get it out of the way. WWE Fastlane is happening again. It's coming to Indianapolis on October 7th. And this is the third pay-per-view this year. That is a return of an old pay-per-view name that I don't like, which I am hoping is more of like just an oddball trademark situation. Like I mentioned before, and not an indication that this is what triple H likes going forward. You know, if Triple H is sitting there going, man, I really like that payback name. Oh, man, Knight of Champions is the best uh, case scenario for all this. I and why the fuck does it bother you so much that they would use these names instead of a dumb gimmick like Hell in a Cell? Well, I would rather them not do the gimmick things, but I would rather them either create new names or go with the other names in the past that they still have that are better. Like, you know, we keep going back to like No Mercy, for instance. Give me no mercy at uh where where's payback taking place? It's like it's not even location based. Uh Indianapolis. It's a uh, no, the payback one is Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless they just wanted the alliteration of the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with payback, <laughs> maybe they were just like, you know, give me all the peas. Uh Fastlane seems like they're doing that because it's Indianapolis. So it's like, oh, you know, NASCAR and all that kind of stuff. So that... I kind of get. I hate the name Fastlane though, especially because it's like, well, this is October and it was supposed to be like the fast lane on the road to WrestleMania, but at least it's in the whole indie thing. I'm not a NASCAR fan or a racing fan at all. So to me, there's no inherent like, oh, that that boosts the quality of it by any means. But hey, I mean, this isn't, you know, they're not tailoring this for me. If they did, they'd make a lot of changes to their product. But I just don't want this to be one of those things where it's like, oh, every year we're going to get Fastlane now and it's going to be Fastlane in September in, uh, I don't know, Michigan, where I'd be like, what? Like, why are we doing that? I hate the name. Fastlane, I think, is one of those really dumb names that I've never been on board with, but I'm not too opposed to it being the whole ND thing if that's what their gimmick is, like to do the whole car stuff. What do you guys think? I Googled it. The Indy 500 is in May. Um, 
I like the name Fastlane. I like it better when it's on the Fastlane on the road to WrestleMania. But yeah, like I told you when I first sent this to you a couple of days ago, give me this over Hell in a Cell every day of the week. I will agree with you on that. I don't like when it's like, well, it's October, so Hell in a Cell time. Let's try to manufacture a feud there. We've talked about that before in the past. Like now, get keep Hell in a Cell away, keep TLC away. Elimination Chamber and Roy Rumble are the only ones that I... And uh, Money in the Bank. They're the only three that should be gimmick pay-per-views. In my mind, at least. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm a big fan of them using regular pay-per-view names. And would I love it if they thought of something different? Sure, but why do that when you have such a backlog of all these names that you could use? So <laughs> You want to make that the next one? It could be Payback... Backlash, backlash and then backlog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good move. And the uh, reason that we found this out to begin with is because Pat McAfee announced mm. it on his show and he will be commentating the event. So that could be another indication that they're just leaning towards the the whole sport element of it, like the the ND 500 and all. Which, if they're going to do that, then if I were in their shoes, I would be like... Well, try to build some sort of a gimmick around it. Like maybe beyond just kind of car iconography for like the graphics and all, but maybe do some sort of special match. Like you don't have 500 wrestlers that you can uh, put in a match or anything, but, but maybe do something kind of like that. Like the, uh, like a battle Royal type thing or something like, you know, a parking lot brawl you can do. Um, I'm always in favor of bring back the scrambles. That could be a fast, call it something different, call it fast lane something, you know, just scrambles were fun. Do that. How many, uh, how many minutes is 500 seconds? Minutes is 500 seconds. (laughs) Uh, Somebody else do the math. Six minutes, six minutes, 20 seconds. So, I mean, they could do like, uh, eight minutes, 20 seconds. Sorry. I was going to say it's a bit closer to 10, but okay. So it's around like eight minutes. They could do some kind of like a little battle royalish thing where it's like every 500 seconds somebody comes out. I mean, you could play around with that. You could have fun. They probably won't. It'll probably just be, well, it's in fast lane because here's a car and we're in Indy. Hey, and it was a deadline match last year. That's that's about as much as we could ask for. What was the time frame with a deadline match? I don't remember too much about that. No, the like the match itself. Oh, How did it that work? Like a, it was like a scramble kind of. With elements of King of the Mountain, because if you get pinned, you get put into the penalty box. I think it was like every two minutes someone came in the match, or maybe every five. I don't. Yeah, I forget how that works. Yeah, Remember, that it was... was also the same night as Ring of Honor Final Battle, so hmm. attention was diverted. <laughs> what do you think about Fastlane as a name, Callum? Is that something that you're high on, low on, middling? It's just a nine. <laughs> I, I really tried to avoid even. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of just tired of us being that podcast that just says, oh, why don't they ever bring back Breaking Point and stuff like that? It's <laughs> just a name. The, sh- the show's good. The show's good. If it sucks, it sucks. It doesn't really matter. The name's not going to affect it one way or the other. It very well might. <laughs> We're going to have uh, WrestleMania and not be WrestleMania anymore. I don't know. But that's the only like trademark type thing that I've come across so far this week. Um, Jericho trademarked something. Um, let me 
Also, Mickey James trademarked Mickey James Masterclass. Looks like she might be looking to do some type of wrestling school or seminars. Uh, Jerrica trademarked Duck Trillion for clothing. I don't know why. Duck Trillion? Duck Trillion. Huh. So, whatever that is. My only presumption is that it might be some kind of fuzzy song or album. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, it's all just a name, right? <laughs> He's going to uh, go with the, the fast lane thing. Yeah, well, I, I have no idea. Because it might, might be like a podcast thing he does or something. Well, this isn't like trademark based or whatever. But if we're getting into legality and, you know, paperwork and all that kind of fun stuff, the writer's strike that's going on right now has an adverse effect that transitions a little bit into pro wrestling in the way of the Spider-Man spinoff film that was quote unquote in the works. I don't trust that it's necessarily that far along, but what we're talking about here is Mercedes Renato or Mercedes Monet or Tasha Banks, whatever you want to call her. She supposedly, allegedly, blah, 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 whatever you want to put around that, maybe true, maybe not, was eyed for some sort of undisclosed role in this film. Now, it's based off of a character called El Muerto, and it would have been uh, starring Bad Bunny. It might still be in production down the line whenever the writer's strike gets sorted out. It might be one of those things that ends up getting shelved just because it got, you know, all this screwed up all the things and then bad bunny's too busy and then they won't want to find somebody else and then you know it could be one of those things that we look back a year from now or something and it's like yeah they decided not to do it but el muerto is a character that i know almost absolutely nothing about which is saying a lot because of you know how dedicated i am to these kind of things which of course if you're interested check out the blueprint project over there on fanboysanonymous.com because yes el muerto is a part of the spider-man blueprint Despite the fact that I can't name you, you know, the whole history of his character, El Muerto is grouped in with my whole uh, Crusher Hogan and Bonesaw McGraw type thing, which if you know anything about Bonesaw McGraw, you know Bonesaw is ready. And if you are interested in the Blueprint Project and stuff, you should check out Chapter 5 of The Batman, A Nighttime Story 100 Records from the Wayne Foundation Archives, because that is up now on YouTube. That went live at noon. We are currently recording this at around 3.30. That is the final video I am putting up about this. At least for now. what I plan on putting up there. Because, I mean, if somebody sponsors Patreon and stuff, I might do some more. But I am hoping that that becomes a thing. So definitely, definitely, even if you're not a fan of Batman or anything like that, do me a favor. Head on over there. Click on the like button on those videos. Pass them around if you are interested in any of those things. The more help that you give me, the better it'll be. But uh, Spider-Man on that front is, you know, owned by Marvel, of course, but they don't have the film rights to that. So the way that this works and the way that it's been working for years, and the way that it's probably going to work for a long time until Disney decides that they're done with this. Sony has the rights to pretty much every Spider-Man character. Sometimes there's a little bit of middling, kind of like Kingpin, for instance, was originally a Spider-Man character, but he's more associated with Daredevil, so there's a little bit of leeway there. But that's why we get movies like Morbius and Craven. 
Morbius was awful. Craven looks like it's probably going to be bad. And El Muerto is in the same league as that. It is a character that is so low on the pecking order, but they decided, hey, we can try to milk everything from this. They originally wanted to make a jackpot movie. If you don't know who jackpot is, you don't need to know. <laughs> they wanted to make an Aunt May movie. They legitimately wanted to make an Aunt May movie. What would it have been about? I have no idea. But I was kind of interested in the idea of a Bad Bunny, El Muerto, superpower, luchador type thing. And then now there's a chance that Tasha Banks might be in there or something. There's a more crossover with the pro wrestling audience. I cannot say that I would be super interested in her being like the female lead of the movie. I don't think that she's shown enough acting chops to carry that kind of a role yet. Because we've only seen her in The Mandalorian and she only had a few lines and that was about it. But there is a chance a year from now, two years from now, whatever it might be, that we might be talking about doing a fan tracks or a review point or something of a Bad Bunny and Sasha Banks led Spider-Man spinoff movie, which is not something that I would picture, you know, uh, too many years ago to talk about that on the smack talk podcast how do you guys feel about any of this kind of stuff i know that marvel and all that you know there's certain crossover with certain audiences and i know that that's not quite the same but uh any thoughts i think well i'd obviously be into it just on the sense that it's marvel it's wrestling and it's essentially sasha banks i would absolutely watch whatever this is even if i didn't know a thing about El Muerte, which I don't. So, <laughs> you know, I'd be all for it. I'm pretty sure that the story, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like there's like a, like some sort of a, a wrestling god that's evil that killed his dad. And then he gets like a mask that's got powers. So that's like a luchador, uh, kind of like he gets the powers of another luchador or whatever i think it's something like that which is, like, is this a dominic of... biopic what's happening here <laughs> might be i'm gonna try to look up his uh his character profile no, and... but i i would be interested as baseline interested as you could be because i don't know much but i would of course love a wrestling marvel movie Empowered by his mask, Juan Carlos goes up against gods among uh, gods and men from the wrestling god El Dorado, who took his father to a thief in the night. As a professional wrestler, he also battles opponents in the ring, most notably Peter Parker. <laughs> That's the the quick rundown on Marvel.com. Um, now you've been tapped out of the MCU, Callum, and this isn't an MCU thing. This would be a spinoff and all, but. Could you see yourself seeing this movie? Nope. <laughs> Not even if we did it as like a little podcast or something. If you, I mean, if you force me into it, then yeah. But like, <laughs> I feel like I got a gun to your head. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing that I'll actively seek out watching. See, that's interesting to me is always when we get the crossover types of things like this where, you know, I mean, being Spider-Man fans, being uh, pro wrestling fans, having people like Bad Bunny and, uh, Mercedes Monet in there you would think that it would be here's three people that would be at the front of this just being like oh my god I'm so pumped for it and you know we have standards so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean like look we don't have 
too high of standards. We sat there and watched Rumble, but like, <laughs> you know, I I would like to see it when it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, this certainly would not be one of those movies that I'd be like, not I gotta like make sure I go on a Thursday night to go see this. <laughs> yeah. Now, Craven, I'm going to because that's gonna be funny. Everybody's already putting a. Yeah, everybody's putting comments uh, on the YouTube um, trailers to saying things like, oh, my favorite part is when he yells out, it's Craven time. <laughs> like, <laughs> just having fun with that. But that is something to put a pin in for now because it's obviously not going to be in production while the whole WGA strike is going on. But we'll talk about it in the future if it ends up coming around. And of course, if you want us to talk more about any of this stuff, whether it's on Fanboys or on smart out moment you know if we have any crossover stuff like that but it seems more like a fanboys anonymous thing which of course go to fanboysanonymous.com check out the youtube channel and so on and so forth but if you do want any of that go to the patreon go to the channel membership on youtube and take part in the pick your poison tier because that is the best way to make sure that we do some kind of content that we might not otherwise get a chance to do so let's talk about some AEW stuff here. Let's talk about the brackets for the Owen Hart Foundation Cup for the 2023 tournament. We talked a little bit about this already with the setup of the matches that we're going to get for Forbidden Door, but we didn't dive too deep into this. But let's get into that now. Let's talk about the women's tournament first. So the bracket is currently Dr. Britt Baker against Ruby Soho, Anna JAS against Sky Blue. We already know who wins that because that already was taped for Rampage. Athena against Billy Starks. We talked about that for Forbidden Door. And then on Collision, we're going to get Nyla Rose against Willow Nightingale. Uh, spoilers, if you don't want to know who wins Rampage. Sky Blue wins that match. So I am assuming we're getting Sky Blue against Ruby Soho. And then the winner of that is going to go up against Athena or Willow Nightingale, which I am basically assuming unless Callum's right about the idea of the sky blue push, which would end up being sky blue against Athena in the finals. I think we're going to get Ruby versus Willow. And I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards that with Willow winning or with a Ruby winning, not Willow. I can kind of see Willow winning because I just think that for now, baby faces should continue to, win this i am aware of who won it last year but i i think that it would be better if you know you really spotlighted a baby face with this tournament and this year there is no um adam and brit where it's like a cute picture of okay the men's and the women's winners match up like that but i can see willow winning and i for now, have her going all the way. But I also think that Callum might be right in that it could be a great vehicle for someone like Sky Blue to make it to the next level in AEW. I think there is a lot of possibility in the winners for this because it is quite open-ended, really. Obviously, we know that Anna JS is not winning because she already lost, but... Everyone else, there's still a window of possibility. I think that it's unlikely that Britt Baker beats Ruby Soho, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that she goes through, even if it is facing Sky Blue. They can do babyface versus babyface matches. It's tournament, and Britt Baker works well as a 
as a heel, even if she is meant to be predominantly babyface right now, she could work that match heel. Um, Athena could definitely win it. She's, as I say, been doing really well in Ring of Honor, and this gives her more of a platform to do it, to push herself forward. I'm, I'm now, after listening to a couple of other people talk about this, I'm not 100% convinced that Billy Starks doesn't beat Athena now because she's really good, and that sets up an immediate Ring of Honor match as well, if you want to well, go down that my route. My word wasn't good enough? <laughs> what happened when I said that yesterday? Oh, I mean, I'm just convinced that Athena was going to win because I I thought that... Because um, I, I, I wasn't aware at that point in time that Athena was facing uh, Kier Hogan last night. Oh, that's night. right, you didn't now. Yeah, so... But... I'd say I don't. The only people that I'm convinced can't win this are obviously Anna JS because she's out and Nyla Rose. They're the only two people that I don't think stand a chance of winning this. The rest of them, I think there's a window of possibility. I'm uh, cautiously, I'm going to say that the final right now is going to be Sky Blue versus either Athena or Nyla Rose. I obviously will know on Sunday night whether or not Athena wins or. Billy goes over. If Billy does win, I can see her going very far and maybe even beating Ruby. But right now, I'm going to say Ruby Willow because it ties into the story they're doing. And Ruby did make it pretty close to the end last year and put Willow over because she's getting that big push. I do think that. One way or another, we see a Billy Starks is all elite graphic on Sunday night. Yeah, this company really likes having people with the same sort of names. I mean, they got Billy Starks and Ricky Starks and the whole cage and cage and page and page type thing and all that we talked about before. But uh, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards Ruby winning this because I think that that's going to be another means to give her something while Tony Storm has the championship and then kind of be like, oh, the outcasts are taking over everything. You know what I mean? It wouldn't shock me if they went in pretty much any other direction, except I don't think that Britt Baker has this. I just don't see the point in giving it to her for a second year in a row. Uh, let's talk about the men's, though. So we know CM Punk against Toshi Kojima happening on Sunday for Forbidden Door. We already talked about that one. We all think CM Punk's winning I do that. want to say it's very cute. Kojima, I have no reason to believe that he wouldn't control his own Twitter, tweeted out that he's nervous because he's not... He doesn't see himself as a world famous wrestler, and I think that's adorable. And I just hope that they have a great match on Sunday night. <laughs> well, the winner of that will fight either Samoa Joe or Roderick Strong. That is going to be one of three matches that's going to be taking place on the June 29th edition of Collision. The other ones being Dustin Rhodes against Powerhouse Hobbs and Juice Robinson against Ricky Starks. I am assuming we're getting Punk versus Joe. And that we're getting Hobbs versus Starks. So past that point. The June I mean, 29 episode of what? Collision. That doesn't add up. Hmm? June 29th is a Thursday. Yeah. The, it says so, it on the so graphic. The, so, yeah, the reason why they're throwing it on June 29th is because it's being taped on June 29th on okay. that show. And then okay. being broadcast on the Saturday. Okay. It's, they put June 29th because they haven't sold any tickets for the Hamilton show pretty much. And so they're making sure people are aware it's happening on that day, even mm. though it's not being broadcast until uh, 1st, of Ju- 1st of July. That makes sense. 
All right. Thank you for clarifying. So right. I, I mean, I'm thinking obviously on the one side of the bracket versus the other one, if it ends up being like the whole baby haste and heel type thing, I would think it'd be punk against Hobbs or it would be Joe against Starks, but there is always a chance that he could go punk against Starks just because it doesn't have to be heel versus baby face or anything. I highly doubt that it would be Joe versus Hobbs. <laughs> I don't think that Dustin Rhodes has any chance of beating Hobbs whatsoever, but uh, you know, I mean, there could be CM Punk against Juice Robinson. There's some ways to play around with this, but I don't think Roderick Strong is beating Joe. And I think Punk and Joe kind of just sort of leans towards, okay, who's Punk fighting in the finals? I'm leaning towards Punk versus Hobbs with Hobbs winning just to give him a little bit of a, you know, something else to kind of compensate for losing the TNT title. Wouldn't shock me if Ricky Starks wins, though. Wouldn't shock me if Punk wins. Which is kind of interesting because I mean I I like it better when you don't really know how a tournament's gonna play out. But right now Joe beats Punk. Hey, could be. Yeah. Punk's never beaten Joe. Could very well be that that's how you set up Joe in the finals and then Ricky Starks beats him. I think Ricky goes all the way. I think Ricky beats Punk. But I can see it going a lot of different ways, and I'm very intrigued by the lineup we have here. Um, I'm gonna. My prediction is that Punk wins the uh, tournament, even defeating either Ricky Starks or Powerhouse Hobbs in the final, and then celebrates with the the, the belt and with a uh, fellow Chicago native Sh- Sky Blue. So and that could be that could be your link. I hope he doesn't celebrate too much because he might end up getting injured. <laughs> yeah, no more, no more crowd dashing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, as that plays out, we will break that down even more. But let's start going back in time and talking about the things that happened over the past couple episodes of TV and uh, kind of, you know, run down the the recap stuff that we normally do here, starting with the last episode of SmackDown, which we typically don't go back and check out the SmackDown stuff because we usually forget about it, (laughs) to be perfectly honest, that I, I don't bring it up. But we had gotten Pretty Deadly, won the gauntlet to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. We got some filler stuff like, you know, Kyrie Cross and Scarlet beat AJ Styles and Meechin and whatever. Not a whole lot going on outside of the idea that the Usos finally, okay, they're fully out of there. We got the setup that we were expecting between the tag team, uh, tag team match that's happening at Money in the Bank. We'll talk about this next week, so I don't want to beat it down too much now but i found myself skipping the segment to be honest i'm kind of over a lot of that how are you guys feeling about that bloodline story it's well i I, it doesn't really matter what we think about it the fact is it popped a monster number on smackdown like oh my god yeah got an extra what an extra five hundred thousand viewers just for that and the youtube view my goodness, yeah, they're all up to like 2 million for each of those segments. Yeah. And it was an insane moment, and it does grip the audience. I understand why you're tired of it. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not. My whole argument is the title is secondary, which I will never like. However, it's a, it's been great storytelling. It you will, People will look at this story... And they'll forget everything else that was happening and they'll go, what a great time in wrestling because the bloodline. 
you know, I mean, it's just, as we would all agree, you don't need to have Roman being the world champion for this story to be great. It, it would be just as effective, if not more so, because you could tell by Roman's desperation about wanting to get tag titles for himself because he's selfish and he would, be, would have been without a championship. And then just him kind of losing control and his paranoia incre- increasing, leading to the Usos turning their back on him. So you, you could have told that aspect of it. I still think it would be a better story like that, but it's still what they're doing is working really, really well. And it's going to lead to a really big, important match at Money in the Bank. So, so yeah, I can't um, I can't criticise the way they've handled it post the, the bad decision at WrestleMania. But everything else since then has been pretty much spot on. Me, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, across the board, when things get to a point where I feel like all they're doing is stalling, I sort of mentally check out. So it's even happening with this. It's like, all right, well, I guess I shouldn't bother to pay attention to anything unless it's going to be particularly gripping before the next nine months. You know, I mean, are they stalling? It feels like they're progressing because at WrestleMania, they were a unit and now they're not. So it they seems stalled like in April. Now they're pro- they're progressing. Now yeah. I think what's happening for you, Tony, is that they stalled in April, and you've kind of just you never left the mindset that they're stalling. But it is progressing rapid fire now, and it's at the point where I expect this to all be done by SummerSlam. And I'm a little bit of a spoiler. I'm kind of expecting SummerSlam's main event is a four way the title see i would think that they would be progressing more if i felt like this wasn't something we already did like we've had so much of the your brother is the issue we're gonna spend four weeks dealing with oh my god and we're we're kind of upset with jay we're kind of upset with jimmy for the whole sammy thing so i feel like they're retreading familiar ground and that's why I go with that they're stalling. Plus, I also feel like it's not going to matter. And that by the end of this tag team match or pretty soon afterward, that they're just going to fall back into line. And it's going to be like that. This You're was crazy. more of a you think they're going to all be a unit again. Yeah. No, I think that this is just a detour to fill in time before SummerSlam. Unless they unless they get rid of Heyman and all become baby faces, they're never being a unit again. Not to spoil too much about what I talk about for next week, but I think that Solo and Roman are going to have a dominant enough win that the Usos are going to just be like, sorry, kind of. <laughs> you that, know? that would be so insanely bad that I'd be concerned about the rest of of the road to WrestleMania. And that's how That'd I feel. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I think like that's just spiraling a bad decision made at the main event of WrestleMania and saying that they completely lost their mind in terms of this stuff. You've, you fundamentally built either Jay or Jimmy to challenge Roman at SummerSlam, probably, if not both of them or the four way that Rob suggested you, you shouldn't turn down that opportunity, especially when you've got absolutely nobody else built up. Again, like you can basically say, uh, these guys don't know what they're doing at all creatively. But the fact of the matter is that most of this uh, bloodline stuff is handled by Payman and Roman themselves, and they do a very good job with all of it. You can, yeah, as I criticized the 
Cody decision, and I, I think we'll just continue to do that until the end of time because it was just it was the wrong it was the wrong call to make. But I just think that they are they're progressing this very well. It doesn't feel repetitive because even though the whole story was being built around in fighting within the family, it's like well yeah, but things just change and evolve over that. Like they had some problems with. Sami Zayn seemingly getting in between the, the family issues and then Sami ends up turning on them because he wants to help his friend Kevin Owens and the Usos at that moment decide, okay, we're going to fall in line. But then Sami's words eventually just start to seep through and Jimmy starts to recognise it. And so I think that I, I, I don't think for one second that anything at least post Sammy joining the bloodline has felt stale outside of that one month holding period post WrestleMania. They they're telling a really good story, and I've, yeah, and and it's reflected in the fact that this is the biggest draw on in WWE right now. This is the thing that everyone wants to see and everyone wants to see continue. So, so yeah, yeah obviously everyone's told to their own personal opinion, but just based on numbers, this is the best thing WWE has done in years and years i and like i said i understand where you're coming from but i also think this might be the best uh representation of an abuse storyline that i've ever seen this company do it's very real that you know jay the whole thing started with had these reservations about leaving roman until it finally Came to a head, and I think, yeah, spoilers for next week, I think Usos win, and then we get a four-way at SummerSlam, because belt has to be on the line eventually, and why not just have everybody? See, the one argument I'd make more than anything about this being stale and stretched out and all is I feel like the story is really good, but that it's have, like, having raw and smackdown each week prevents them from telling the story the best way and that they need to keep like hitting the re- the rewind button to repeat what they've done to be able to progress the story and it takes about a month for them to do one segment that really does anything right but i think that's always been an issue with wwe's style of storytelling even the good stories all look better in hindsight when we can watch it all as a condensed Mm -hmm. the video package that happens right before the main event right which goes into the whole discussion we've had a million times before where i go like man i think that they should just put a little bit more effort into rewarding the fans that watch it all the time as opposed to kind of giving off the impression of like look it's better if you don't bother to watch and then you just watch the pay-per-views because that's kind of how I feel with this. I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm missing anything by skipping a lot of these because I'm going to see it in the video package right beforehand anyway, because they're going to run it on the pre-show and they're going to run it on there anyway. So it's going to be twice on the same night. And the more that you repeat the same video package on SmackDown to the same footage of, you know, Paul Heyman saying to his phone, call Roman Reigns and whatever, the more that it's like, all right, it took a, it took eight segments to get around to one super kick. Cool. I think I would have rather just watched that super kick. <laughs> yeah. Then kind of skip forward. So 
when it takes three months to tell a two week story and it takes five months to tell a one month story and, and that kind of thing, I go, all right, well, um, hopefully something does progress out of this, but honestly, it didn't really make me shiver or anything, but to each their own, uh, let's talk about raw. Seth Rollins was supposed to have an open challenge. Seth Rollins <laughs> was bitched by Finn Balor the entire show to the point where I kind of wish he didn't make it to NXT because I actually thought it made Finn Balor look dangerous for once. But he just beat the crap out of Seth Rollins. I got two criticisms when it comes to this. One being part of our information we've learned from uh, from SRS. The idea that they were originally going to have Tommaso Ciampa come out and have the open challenge and fight Seth Rollins and have apparently a pretty long, like dedicated good match that would have ended in a non-finish, which I would assume probably would have been Finn Balor coming out and attacking Rollins. And instead they did the whole thing where Balor attacks Rollins. The open challenge that was advertised just doesn't happen because haha, whatever. And then the Miz issues an open challenge and then Ciampa comes out and beats him. I'm not opposed to the idea of that. I think that is one way of doing things, but I honestly think that it would have done more for Ciampa if he would have had a like solid contest against Rollins. Whereas, you know, Ciampa beating the Miz, I don't know how many people really necessarily are going to care too much about that. So for me as a Ciampa fan, I feel like I'm kind of missing out on something that could have happened there that could have been pretty good. Not the worst case scenario in the world, but thumbs down in my mind uh, when I see the alternative. Thumbs up if I didn't know that that was the case. How do you guys feel about I, that situation? I ultimately say thumbs up because well, it would have been cool to have Rollins and Ciampa tear the house down. They've shown on the main roster that doesn't always amount to much of anything. I'd rather they just have Ciampa come back, kind of put a quick button on that thing with the Miz that should have never been a thing to begin with, but at least they rectified it. And if you know, if we missed out on Rollins Ciampa, that's okay because I would assume it's going to happen at some point. I'm glad to see Ciampa back. He cut a great promo about wanting everything the main roster has to offer. I liked what it did for Finn and Miz can take a loss like no one else. So ultimately I say thumbs up all the way around. Any thoughts on this Cal? I didn't watch it. So I don't really have much to say. I, I, at least the one thing I know is the Miz wrestled. So it's probably a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing that they haven't really, or maybe they have, and I just didn't pick up on it, that they haven't really been touching on now, the whole issues with Damian Priest and the Judgment Day and, and all that. It seems like they dropped that already. What are you talking about? It was like the entire point of the last two weeks, and there's still, there, there's still tension there. It's just this week clearly got sidetracked because Finn was probably supposed to do one thing, and then he just ended up Beat the shit out of Rollins yeah. for, uh, for the night. And also, they lost in the end, so that will still be an issue. 
couple of things that we don't need to bother even getting into, you know, and to share beats Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander and so on. Um, one of the three lines for this episode was Sami Zayn confronting Kevin Owens about the idea that he has an anger problem. I thought that that, that those little segments were funny that led to Cody and Kevin and Sammy against the judgment day in the finale of the night. Uh, when it comes to this Cody and Dominic thing, I really feel like this is a mistake. I like Dominic. Yeah, no shit. I like Cody. <laughs> I, I would have wanted to see them against each other in some fashion down the line, but I think that this is very indicative of, yeah, we don't really care about that Cody thing. And, you know, when we go back to the whole, like, well, you know, you let the story play out. I'm like, this is the story you're telling a, a couple, two matches with Brock for the sake of just a big match. That doesn't really mean anything. And then a feud with Dominic. Where he doesn't go in the money in the bank. <sighs> My but, biggest mm. issue. And again, I realize we're getting into a lot of what we'll say next week, but I don't like that. Cody just completely ignored the money in the bank, especially when somebody else title. like Logan Paul can come out and go, by the way, I've got a spot in this I, six man thing on the seventh man. And I didn't need to qualify, which we all know, of course, the reason why is because it's Logan Paul. He doesn't need to qualify with all that stuff. You know, the, the real reality behind it, but it is kind of like, so Logan Paul can do that. And Cody's like, I don't even care to try to qualify. <laughs> what? At least with the new world title, he tried to qualify and then was screwed over by, by Brock. Yeah. Like we talked about before have uh judgment day, screw him out of the match or something. And then set up a match that way. If he wanted to go in that direction. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him just ignoring it. I feel like at this point, the end goal with Cody is going to be they're going to think they've got we're all in the clear by the time he wins the Rumble or the Chamber or whatever. And the reality might be that people are kind of sick of it. And I hope that they're not, but that's the fear that I'm developing. My fear is that they don't plan on having him involved whatsoever. What in the world title at WrestleMania? I mean, I do still think that it's probably going to be Gunter against him, and that Rollins is either in a triple threat with them or that Rollins is the backup plan for Roman. But there's a part of me that thinks that they think the big story was he challenges Roman, loses, and then who cares? And that that was it. Yeah, I can't think like that because I'll just go insane. <laughs> I'm already there, pal. <laughs> uh, the Logan Paul thing to get that a little bit more time. We will again talk about this next week. I immediately think he is winning. My money in the bank mentality went from. All right. So they're in England uh, with, the, with the five names I have announced here. I think which stands a chance. And then I said, oh, Priest is here. He could end up winning. Oh, Logan Paul's here, so Logan Paul should probably get this briefcase. I don't think it's a guarantee that he wins, but he maybe is the best candidate. I don't think that there's anything else we need to talk about from this episode. Was there? I'm double checking right now. 
Uh, Trish is going to be in her first ladder match ever. That's cool. Yeah, there's the Trish thing. So they they protected Raquel. I think that Raquel probably still should have been in the match. I still think that they probably should just add one or two more women and just, you know, whatever. Do it that way. But I guess they have some plan that they want to do with this whole Becky and Trish and Zoe thing on there. So maybe it'll work out. I don't know. Still confused about why Bronson Reed keeps getting all these pins over Shinsuke and Ricochet if he's not in there either. But that's the thing. Uh, we haven't seen the maximum male models in a long time. I wonder why they're repackaging them or trying to do something else with them. And Maxine's because completely Maxine out of there. Is now doing this thing with American American Alpha Alpha Academy because it's funnier. Hmm. Otis does promos about how she's got a lot of beef in her future. You know, like that's <laughs> tickling people <laughs> in one way or another, at least. Well, everybody's favorite show, NXT, got a bump this week with some more main roster talent in there. Miss Folly was the special guest referee of that North American Championship match between Wesley and Tyler Bate. Completely pulling in uh, a ref Audrey here by taking up a lot of space as a referee. I thought that that was funny. Um, they had the pep rally with uh, Fia Hale and Chase U and all. Schism's all upset still. Uh, NXT Anonymous spied on Lyra Valkyria just confronting JC Jane, one of those pointless backstage segments. And No Fan Blade won their triple threat number one contenders match. They're going to fight Gallus next week. Core Jade and Dana Brooke had a match. And let's talk about that one. <laughs> terrible. Like, Dana Brooke is not beloved by the NXT universe. Cora did everything she could. Try to get them to boo her. They did a stretcher job during a commercial break, by the way, which was really had me going, oh, well, maybe she is just hurt, whatever. There was a split second where I thought that, where I was just like, oh, okay, maybe they cut to the commercial because she actually, like, tweaked her knee or, you know, but then they did the picture in picture. And then I was like, oh, wait, if that was a real one, they probably wouldn't have done that. And then the more that I started to look at the picture in picture, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Chris then, got worse after the. Uh, and Chris got worse because the crowd was just like, boo, boo Dana Brooke. <laughs> they were chanting, please tap out when she was in a single leg crowd. <laughs> and then on Twitter, Dana was like, I get it. I suck. Cool. Awesome. What did we accomplish here? I feel so bad for Dana like over and over again because look, she's not my favorite on the roster in the way that if you were to say like, okay, pick, you know, we're going to do like the mock draft of something. She's not going to be my first round pick or anything, but she seems like a nice person. She seems like she really cares. She seems like she tries and it's just the, the same story all the time. It's like, at most, a pretty decent performance here and there that gets almost nothing coming out of it. And this perpetual, just give me a chance type pitiful character. And everybody just hates her and rags on her. And I don't know. I, if I were her, I would have quit a long time ago and just been like, you know, I'm sick of that. Like, I feel bad for her. Because. NXT audience, the NXT audience pops for literally anyone 
from the main roster. Baron Corbin got a hero's welcome the first time he showed up to attack Carmelo. Like, the fact that Dana... Natalia Rose, got people doing the, the bow thing. Yeah, I mean, there was that. Uh, every time anybody... Jinder Mahal showed up and people popped because it was just like, oh my god, main roster guy, cool. Uh, not Dana. I'm not going to say Dana should quit because I don't think anyone should quit if they're really passionate about something, but... Just a rough go. Really rough go. I think it's on your match of the year list, right, Cal? <laughs> one of them. One of, the, well, one of those ones, yeah. Um, I, I thought that... Listen, she's a... Um, okay, I don't, don't want to pour any punches. She's a pitiable character and a pitiable person in the sense that we're trying to, we're trying to sugarcoat it. And the fact that she is passionate about this and she has tried hard. But the fact of the matter is she's she doesn't have it and she's never had it. And I've come on the past and probably been in the same sort of mindset thinking, oh, she seems to be getting a bit better or maybe they should just give her an opportunity. The fact of the matter is she she just sucks at wrestling and she's and she's never going to get any better at it. Like she's been doing this for nearly 10 years now, it feels like. When did she when did she come out? In NXT, uh, Emma was still there. I mean, because yeah, about yeah, it was about, it was about like 2014, 2015, something like yeah, that. Yeah, because she was already on TV by twenty sixteen. Yeah, she was with yeah, she was with Charlotte in like twenty sixteen. So she signed her contract July twenty thirteen. Yeah, so yeah, about, about ten years. Yeah, about ten years now. So yeah, since she started in WWE and so training all that time and had plenty of matches on tv or live events or whatever and she you can't say that she's significantly better than when she started when she started she had more of an aura about her almost now that everyone knows that she's frankly a bit of a joke and the only thing that she has going for her is the people on twitter that say oh dana they should give dana more of a chance or people think like that and then she goes in and she has matches like this which just totally suck and frankly like Cora Jade's definitely better, but I think that she's highly overrated as well. And I thought she sucked in this match as well. The only the thing that she was good at was playing into the crowd's responses to Dana Brooke. But yeah, I can't I can't say that I criticize the audience for this because fun- fundamentally I don't think that paying audiences should be subjected to watching matches that, that Dana Brooke did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my same punk things. Just like tell me if I'm, when I'm telling lies. That kind of. <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. It's just you're delivering. Like, has anyone, has anyone ever gone to a wrestling show and said, "Oh, I put down my ten, fifteen bucks, whatever, so I could see Dana Brooke perform"? It's like, no, you never did that. And if you did, you're lying to yourself, and you're lying, to, and and even worse, you're lying to her, and you're making her think that she's good at what she does, and she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do always love when you cut loose and cut through the bullshit. I, I, I'm the one that, that has the list to lose in this side of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I appreciate but, it. But I just like, I get why people feel sorry for it. I would feel sorry for anybody that's going through that sort of, like, getting that sort of response. But then I can also understand why people are giving that, that response because, quite frankly, they're entertaining themselves because they're not entertaining themselves watching the match. So that's that's what you will do. 
I think that uh, whether it's in this environment or outside of it, I think that when people get the criticism of like, we talked about it a couple weeks ago where Jericho is like, Oh, I hate when people see the word botch or like, I hate when people boo something. If you're there with the prospect in mind that you're supposed to cheer when something's good, I think that opens up full criticism that you can boo when something's bad. Just the same as when you, to use my usual food analogies, if you go to a restaurant, you order something because you want to eat it, you want it to taste good, and then if it's awful, you send it back. Like It's perfectly okay if you don't like something to boo in pro wrestling. I think if you're bullying somebody online that that's way past like what you should do and people cross that line all the time so uh, that's not the same equivalent but yeah if you're watching a match that's not good and you're booing and you're chanting like this match sucks or something i think that that's well within reason yeah and like calm said cora isn't she's definitely aesthetic first Ability second, and it's not like, well, she's blowing Dana Brooke out of the water here. It's just more of people don't see it with Dana, partially because they went out of their way to make her appear to be a joke. You know, like that's something WWE has been doing for years, but at this point, maybe they use this as something to get her back. I mean, I would honestly just be like, the best thing she ever did was the comedy stuff with Reggie. Mm. He's on NXT. Just fuck around with that, I guess. Well, there is something to be said about, you mentioned, they set up this kind of persona. And perception is reality in a lot of different ways. Look at Dana Brooks' career. Anytime that she's done something that wasn't absolutely ridiculous or absolutely pointless, because really that's where most of her career has been. And that's not me criticizing her as a person. That's just the way that they've booked her. She's had one title reign in reality, one title reign, technically like 14 or whatever the hell it was. But the title she won was not the women's title. It wasn't the women's tag title. It wasn't the NXT women's title. It was the 24-7 championship, the joke title. It is definitively the joke title. It's been from the very beginning. The very first thing that they did with it was to make a joke about it. So it's been a laughing stock from the very start. And it was a comedic thing that people didn't really like. That's her biggest accomplishment is that. And when you run down things like she said before, like, oh, whether it was teaming with Charlotte or whatever, if that's the biggest things that you got going on, yeah, no wonder people think that. Most of the time she wrestles on main event, and she loses a good portion of those. If she's ever on Raw, she's typically getting her ass beat. And when they give these segments every once in a while, it's like every like two years they give her something where, you know, like that one time she comes out to fight Ronda Rousey and she's like, oh, I'm Dana Brooke. And like, it's my time to actually kick myself into gear. I accept your challenge. And then she gets humiliated. So her character and the perception they've built around her is crap and they're never going to get anything out of it other than that unless they were to actually give her a solid push for a good chunk of time which doesn't seem to be the case this referee stoppage thing (laughs) that doesn't help her at all it only makes her seem worse because she's getting schooled by somebody who is a rookie now if that's her position if she's okay with that 
and she's doing her job. She's punching in, punching out, getting paid for it. Go ahead and keep doing it. You know what I mean? But if the perception is like, we want to build this character up as something that's actually going to be, you know, get the fans behind the underdog. They are almost going out of their way to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's just not going to happen. I think in general, but this is bad. And it wasn't the only bad thing for the night. Cause we also had Lash legend again and uh Jack car Jackson against Ulyssa Leon and Valentina Froyce. Go back know, and watch the match. match fine. Thank you. <laughs> Go back and watch the match and watch them miss a lot of things. <laughs> Something else that happened on this episode, actually two things that happened that were noteworthy beyond just Seth Rollins retained the world championship. It's pretty straightforward. And then he got attacked by Finn Balor. Two noteworthy type things. One being the Von Wagner thing. He talked about his actual, I'm assuming, uh, unfortunate situation when he was a kid it was uh it, like his skull was malformed at first and he had to get surgery when he was 15 months old and all i don't know why they're bringing this up on television to begin with but this was a step in in some direction instead of doing the whole like i'm finally going to talk to you about it next week and all uh it's not my favorite thing when they start doing these stories but it's something but hey, if you're talking about taking something in a direction and actually progressing, Gable Stevenson was on this episode. Yep. He, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Damon Kemp is his brother. And Damon Kemp's been in a feud with Eddie Thorpe. So they are going to have a Raw Underground match. And Gable Stevenson comes up to Eddie Thorpe and goes, I'll help you train to fight my brother, even though he didn't say that it was his brother. But he's like, you know, nobody knows Damon Kemp more than I do, and I'll help you. I immediately go with, okay, I think that Gable is probably going to help out Damon, and this is all a ruse. But well, they're going to be a tag team. I'm immediately interested because Damon's good. Damon's solid, yeah. And I'm all for wrestler tag teams and let them throw the Creed brothers around. Yeah. I am down to see Creed Brothers against the Stevesons. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if Gable's good in 20 by 20. I don't care. He doesn't have to be that good to, to sort of amateur suplex the other amateur wrestlers. Like, I'd watch that match. Wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. The main takeaway for me outside of Gable is I call it a raw underground match. It's so silly. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so silly. But, you know, I'm glad they're bringing that back, too. I enjoyed that. Way more than most, probably. I enjoyed the confusion around it. I can't say I enjoyed the content itself. Well, I know that you're a fan of Damon Kemp, though, Callum. Are you interested in him potentially fighting Gable Stevenson or teaming up with him? What do you think is the better option? Uh, teaming, I'd say, because Gable Stevenson is someone that they at least for a while believed in, so I'm sure they'll want give him the best possible opportunity to step up and him working alongside Damon Kemp is probably Damon's best opportunity to uh, get more credibility himself and be exposed more on television and get more matches because if he just fights Gable Stevenson it'll be a one and done like short feud match where Gable Stevenson will win and then Damon Kemp will just go back to doing what he does on NXT which is occasionally get called up for a match 
uh, and then goes back into uh, catering for two or three weeks before he's called upon again to put someone else over. So, yeah, for for his sake, he hoped that he's teaming with his brother rather than feuding with him. So Gold Rush, for episode one at least of that, is in the books. Episode two is happening next week. Still haven't been able to find spoilers about that. I had planned on originally talking about that during this episode, but it seems like maybe they're tightening up on that, uh, or at least maybe nobody wants to reveal it, or something else could have happened. I don't know. Tapings were supposed to have happened, but if I do find any more information about that ahead of time, you will see that up on smartcomoment.com. But I'm going to tag Callum in here to man the uh, operation for the Dynamite results. Even though I watch the episode, it's always more passionate if you do it. <laughs> want to talk about Collision first? We'll talk about Collision first, yeah. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about that. I forgot. Yeah, so uh, Collision happened. And, of course, that was the premiere of that episode. So that's supposed to be you know, the biggest and most uh, you know, pomp and circumstance type show some positives to it. And uh, honestly, I think some negatives to it too. I feel like it is exactly the same as dynamite. So that's something that I was a little bit disappointed with. how did you guys feel about that? Was it, did it give you any kind of a different vibe or was it oh, something so, uh, for me? It's a lot more of what I'm, what I vibe with in a wrestling show. I mean, I, first of all, Kevin Kelly's on commentary, which is great. He needs to work mm-hmm. on some names, but that's okay. You which know, names did he botch? I don't remember. Uh, Andretti and Andrade, and they're the, kind of the ones that JR did in the beginning, but like <laughs> he'll get better at that. Did he say like action Andrade uh, or something? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I enjoyed Punk's opening promo. I this is my safe space. I'm, I just I think that there are some people out there who are wildly ridiculous when it comes to this kind of stuff. I heard a lot of like, I can't believe he's doing this. Oh my God, do we need to do this every week? And my for punk, for punk, yeah. That they couldn't believe that he was like, he made the line about the counterfeit bucks and stuff like that. And I'm like, he's addressing the thing that he needed to address, right? It would have been weird if like, he didn't say something. Right, right. Like, why, why are you mad? Because he's talking about the thing that he needs to talk about. But uh, that's my one criticism of the people reacting to that. I thought this was great. I thought every time he enters a ring with a microphone, you go, oh, yeah, that's what a promo is supposed to be. And he's carrying around supposedly the AEW World Championship in a red bag. He clearly said what's in the bag, Max. And he wants to be beaten. Or he, you know, officially agrees that he's not the champion, which I understand because, again, Young Bucks did the same thing. They went right for the belt. They never lost. It's you're telling the same story. I really enjoyed that. Andrade looked great. Um, oh, actually, Cal, why don't you get your thoughts on Punk? I just sort of rambled on. What did you think about Punk? Uh, I thought the opening promo was well, very good. It's always punk punk has excellent delivery so it was definitely engaging to listen to i don't think um you need to go as inside with the like the counterfeit bucks and name dropping the warner brothers head who no one knows who he is other than people oh, Tony that, Khan was very but, happy with that, I that yeah. for a fact. 
But um, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that the most interesting aspect is the is the bag that he carried but didn't reveal anything. I think that this is going to be their clever way of creating a world title for Collision that isn't a world championship, mm. which essentially Punk is going to hold the world title that he had, which is not MJF's world title because obviously MJF had his own world championship created. So Punk has his own iteration of it, the original essentially. And so he's going to defend it on Collision against people until... He can finally get that match with MJF, which I can imagine happening at All Out in Chicago. You do the match with Cole at a big show in between then, and then you move on to All Out in Chicago, and you have Punk versus MJF finally unify the titles. But in the meantime, it means that you can have him defend it against the likes of, quote-unquote defend it, obviously. You could say that it's not like an official title, but... They can still feel like it's that way because he was never beaten for it against the likes of like a powerhouse Hobbs or a Miro or an Andrade or anyone like that. Just have some top level main event matches with Punk as the quote unquote champion of Collision. Why do you guys think that they didn't bother revealing it? Do you think it's just flat out mystery box type? Like, oh, I mean, you yeah, have we'll get people to talk about it because uh, you don't think that he even had it in there? I don't think he had it in there. Otherwise, it would come out. <laughs> Look. I- I think it's a, it might be a tease-based thing of like trying to weigh it out a little bit before he eventually reveals it's there because they're still like collisions coming out at a bit of a awkward time because they're still building up towards forbidden door. So maybe post forbidden door, he then talks about it, but now he's also in the Owen Hart tournament, so maybe it will have to be until after the Owen Hart tournament. So there's a lot of things that are happening in the meantime that means that he wouldn't be. There's no point in him holding that title yet because he wouldn't be defending it until after he's out of the tournament one way or another. What if, hear me out, we spent a couple weeks, maybe even months, having this what's in the bag thing, and it turns out it's a big mechanical spider. (laughs) I've seen that story. I don't want to. Who the hell did they think that was a good idea for Eric Rowan? That was such bullshit. I get the whole mystery thing. I get the idea that they probably are like, well, we want people to be talking about it. And then eventually he'll cut a promo and he'll be like, you know what? Cause I have this. And then it's the other championship and all, but um, yeah, I mean uh, the whole mystery box thing burned me too much with the force awakens. Hashtag last Jedi sucks. Um, that was a big part of that though. And the whole discussion of like the young bucks comment and all, I think that this was a good way of doing it overall. It's not my favorite execution of it, but yeah, he threw a little jab in there, got a little bit of like kind of a balancing act from the, how the elite had done their little references to that in the match and all. And maybe we move on. Maybe we don't necessarily need to do anything with it. If you can, sure. Come back and revisit it for now. I think that that's fine. I don't, I don't want to see that every week. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't think you need to see it every week either, but to suggest that he shouldn't have? Yeah, that's ridiculous. different story. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the show was just, like, for the most part, just some very good wrestling. And it, it didn't really feel like a lot of it was heavily story-driven, but, I mean, it's fine to just, you know, for the opening one, just to try and put out some good matches. I mean, you had Luchasaurus win the TNT title in the opener from Wardlow. Let's uh, talk about that, because, man, I got to say, Wardlow with this TNT title... What is up with this? 
why is I this guy it, he lost it to joe so joe could lose it to darby to lose it back to joe so he could lose it back to wardlow so he could lose it to hobbs so he could lose it back to wardlow so he could lose it to luchasaurus who of course doesn't like the story is like christian's taking it for himself and that in and of itself isn't bad it's just this windy road to get to this point man i would have just rather wardlow have kept it this whole time and then lost it i hate that I this whole wouldn't have. this hot potato thing I certainly wouldn't have hoped that Wardlow held the title for that long. Yeah, because I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's just... All the things that I thought of Wardlow post in the build-up to the match with MGF and just immediately following that, all it's all evaporated now. It's like, he's he's definitely got a lot of tools, but he needs a hard reset. As, as like, badly needs a hard reset. He needs to turn heel or something. He needs a change of... We, frankly, it's not in case he needs a change of character. He needs a character. Because his character, the Bill MJF, was I was the guy that did all this stuff for MJF, and then I got sick of it, and I turned against him, and he's never ever progressed from that. Like, he's still back. a, pa- yeah. Yeah, he's got Arn Anderson to stand and do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> he's so been a think- dinosaur. He's talking about he did nothing. <laughs> so I think that this is a, g- a good decision because even though you have Luchasaurus as the champion, it's going to be Christian parading around with the title. And this is the best thing for Christian. It means that he doesn't necessarily have to hold the title, but he's going to act like he's the champion. And he's going to be the one issuing title defenses. And when Luchasaurus defends the title, he's going to be the one celebrating with the belt. Like he still held it. He's going to wear it to the ring. It's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully make it a lot more interesting. But yeah, I don't know what they end up doing with Wardlow, but they have to do something in order to make people care about him again. Because I think uh, his his time as TNT champion, all the reigns that he had, I think it's uh, it's not uh, helped him at all. And him losing so much hasn't really helped either. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's a desire to have him like a kind of Goldberg esque. He can't do that if you know he's proven to be fallible. And I think they missed the boat. I think even if it was just on an episode of Dynamite, he should have been like, Max, I'm the last person who beat you. I want a title match. I I just don't understand why that logical step wasn't put in. Even if MJF cheated to beat him, you know, he's the last guy who beat Max. Should have been part of that story. And now I don't want to see this guy fight Max. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I mean, now, like, you go back however many months ago and stuff, it was like, okay, I want Wardlow to be the guy that beats Max. Yeah, they're really, perpetually with each one of these title changes, they're killing that for me. Because now, if Wardlow were to go, I want to fight MJF, I would just go, okay, well, MJF retains. And if he were to win, I'd go, why did you kill off Wardlow's momentum before giving him the title? Like, there's no positive upward momentum going on with Wardlow. It's just setback after setback. And if he beats Luchasaurus, it's just going to be the same thing as the the Hobbs and Joe thing to me. It'll just be, we don't know any story to tell other than Wardlow loses the belt and then beats the guy. Look, just a large problem. You just think this isn't a booking thing. This is, this is as much on Wardlow as he's on the booking. He hasn't stepped up. I mean, he hasn't done anything to, like, 
yeah. get its character yeah. more over anything yet too yeah. on top of that it's always a 50 thing i'm not saying the booking has been great it hasn't been but i think that look at la night should... yeah exactly like his book yeah. was terrible and he managed to make something out of it this he just doesn't have charisma doesn't have the right kind of charisma he has when he gets in the ring and he's just beating people up they can kind of get into it but i think that the fact that he's bigger than most of his opponents means that it's hard to root for him as a baby face mm. there's a good way and to then, phrase it of he's got presence but not charisma yeah exactly so i would like to see what they end up doing with him and they keep him away from the title for a while in order to rebuild him and you just let christian luchasaurus do what they're doing for the time being so i think that'll just be quite entertaining especially because christian's involved and christian's just perpetually entertaining but it's, no it's another thing that they always do a lot with baby fit bodyguards once they turn you feel like they lost their aura because even someone who was successful like kevin nash he was never happy with his baby face run in 95 where it was like he took away what made me diesel i wasn't a killer anymore and i think wardlow needs to turn and kind of just move on from there That was like the big thing that happened on this, other than the fact that it was just, you know, collision yeah. happening to begin with and Sam Punk ranking this return and all. But that was like the the big thing coming out of it was, oh, we got a title change and all, because obviously Andrade against Buddy Murphy, it's not nothing really to talk about there. It's just a match. That's fucking great. Yeah. Andrade's yeah, good. Yeah, it's one, it's, it's one of the best matches of the last couple of weeks or so. And I know that feels like it's not saying much, but there's great matches on every show nowadays so but they really put it on really uh, like took it to the next level there's some great selling of uh different body parts in this match as well like especially a uh, buddy with the the knee and eventually tapping out to the figure eight of all things just not even the figure four just actually doing the bridge figure it's eight just the charlotte player yeah yeah and um yeah it's setting up for a potential uh trios match Apparently, it's not going to be. Uh, apparently, Roosh and Drillistico aren't going to be involved. There's going to be two other people that Andrade said that from his time in Mexico. Apparently, we should be aware of. If we do watch Mexican wrestling, which I don't think any of us do with nope. any <laughs> any, uh, any significant following. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see who he ends up bringing in to have that trios match. I wish it was uh, Roosh and Drillistico, but I, I'm willing to let this one play out because. That's more of the Andrade I want to see. And Nero came out and squashed Tony Nice, So I assume they're going to have Nero just beat some people for a little while before he moves into something. I like um, the line that he said about the uh, the pizza being better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, uh, Sky Blue and Nightingale beat the Outcast, which is it's good in a way because it helps sets up this Willow Nightingale-Tony Storm match because Willow got the the victory over. But obviously, Sky Blue got the pin, but Willow gets a win over Tony Storm, and so get to build it up that way. And Sky Blue gets to win in Chicago after um, having lost the uh, title match on the previous show. So, but yeah, this was good. And then the, and then the trio's match was a lot of fun. They gave, that whole, they gave that whole segment like half an hour at the end of the show. So... I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd say I'd be pretty happy with Collision if it is more like wrestling orientated, where it's like you, two hours and then a solid, you know, hour, hour, hour and a half between an hour and an hour and a half of it is just 
straight up wrestling and then you just do some bits in between it. So so I think it was a good start and see how they obviously build from here. But uh, yeah, I think it's it, it, it shows promising signs of being, OK, this is just going to be another fun two hours of wrestling a week. So I'm I'm down for that. Absolutely. And to keep the rosters as separate as it looks like they're going to keep them, you know, all the better. So let's talk about Dynamite then. We had a couple good things on here, of course, as per usual. A couple things that I was like, eh, I don't really need to watch this. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple things in between. Uh, we got Gun Club beating the Hardy Boys. I, I really like the mm. gun cl- the Gun's entrance now. Like, yeah, they, 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 look, they, they don't have currently the ring work to match it, although I think they're, they're pretty good. But they, they have a presence about them now. And I think that they're they're moving up the ranks, and it was the right choice for them to beat the Hardys because you know the Hardys shouldn't be winning many matches now. I think I think that they're they're good nostalgia value, and they should beat the lesser teams, but they should be putting the next generation of teams over. And I guess the big part of this is that you had um, Juice Robinson and Jay White come out, so this seems to firmly establish that the Guns are going to be part of Bullet Club Gold moving forward. He had Punk come out, which apparently made uh, one guy so upset that he he went home angry at the end of the <laughs> end of this dynamite. Yeah, what? Whatever. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, it's it's just the the uh, the latest uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter reported that uh, one top name apparently said that uh, they were very frustrated after Punk was at uh, dynamite and so went home in a in a bad mood. We don't apparently know who that, that person that was. No, we don't know who that was, and apparently that counts as news nowadays. He's uh, that that person, whoever that quote unquote top name is, is getting uh, roundly, and I think actually quite uh, justifiably uh, mocked on Twitter for it, because seems like it's a bit uh, a bit of an overreaction to a guy coming out and basically being on TV for about a minute or two. Yeah, it's supposed to be a top guy. That's what the Brendan Dave. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, as I say, I have no idea what top guy means. It's definitely not yeah. FTR, I imagine. I don't think they were upset about Punk being there. So Yeah, I mean, if this is like a, like Leon Ruffin or something, then that's kind of ridiculous. But uh, I don't know who would fit the bill for for that. Obviously, somebody who wasn't later on in the show, so you could roll all those people out. It's not like that was, you know, Chris Jericho or... I don't know, Orange Cassidy or somebody like that. So what if they left straight away? It's just that they left the arena in a, they were just mad about it. So when they yeah, were just mad about it, mad. yeah. So, hmm. so, but uh, anyway, we'll see if it ever comes out. Unlikely. And for anyone but, who might ask, it was the box. Box weren't there. And they were pre-taped, and that was scheduled from the get-go. Very clearly, um, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I like this. I. I think it's interesting that Punk immediately stated, I'm not even supposed to be here, I'm a collision guy. That means there will be some kind of quit. So, so, I, took, I took that as a tongue-in-cheek joke, the fact that like he thinks that people think, well, he's got the mindset, or he thinks he knows that people have the mindset that there is a distinct split between collision and dynamite and so he i think that was a tongue-in-cheek reference to hey i'm supposed to be a collision guy what am i doing on this show mm-hmm. like basically saying oh, there's not actually a brand split but people would like to think it is i'd be all right with that being that being the case as well because 
Uh, I've said it a lot. I think Punk is great. Every time he picks up a microphone, I want to see more of it. Every time he wrestles without getting injured, I want to see more of it. And I'm all for everything that happened here, including, I don't know if you saw this, Gallum, they uploaded a post-show promo with all eight of the guys that are going to be on Collision. And this had all the great energy of a Survivor Series-style promo where everybody's one after another saying what they had to say about the match. Oh, Juice's stuff was great. And Juice, Juice was, was phenomenal. Yeah. But Juice uh, basically said, uh, like, he was just screaming down the camera, says, oh, Punk, why do you want to make me go to sleep? I'm not tired. I got my full eight hours last night. I don't want to go to sleep. Look at no bags under my eyes, anything. It's just so, you know, he was, he's such a great promo. And Cash hitting him with a, what's a switchblade to an axe? I just, everything they did, it was the kind of simple shit that I enjoy. And I understand it's like, that's not your cup of tea. It's just, it's working for me. And I enjoy Ricky Stark saying, everybody keeps saying I have no friends. Well, I went and got myself some friends. Because it's true. Um, we went on from that from like, to the uh, concession stand brawl between Mark Briscoe and Jeff Jarrett. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've been into most of what Jarrett's done here, but it's just like this has gone on way too long. And it was basically said, oh, this is just going to be us one on one concession stand. And then it was just like everyone was interfering. It had like, what, like 10, 11 people, it felt like, were in the match at one point where it's like you have. First, you have Karen and Sonjay get involved, and then Jay Lethal gets involved, and Satnam Singh's there, and Papa Briscoe turns up, and Christopher Daniels and the Best Friends and the Lucha Brothers all showing up. It's like, okay. I didn't have as much fun with this as I thought I was going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was a, it definitely was a home run segment. Fun with this, and I really thought I was going to enjoy it. Uh, all they said to me was, Jeff Jarrett's going to Ring of Honor, bro. That was it. Wasn't there, like, didn't he say in the, um, in a promo leading up to it that if Mark Briscoe pinned him, then that's the last time you ever see him on Dynamite? He did, but then they were quick to uh, delete that and re-upload it without him saying that, so. Okay. But I, I definitely think he's at least going to ROH, because when's the last time Daniels was on Dynamite? You know, like, yeah. let alone the it, Lucha Brothers being the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Yeah, it did feel like a lot of Ring of Honor people appearing on this show, but uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm sure they'll be able to take up some time there as well. Um, I like the Suzuki gods. Such a good name. Like Jer- Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki took on AR Fox, Action, Dreadsy, and Darius Martin, who are, again, very much a Ring of Honor trios team at the moment. But I thought that, yeah, this was just to give the Suzuki gods a victory, Minoru Suzuki was super over, as you'd expect, and they did this cool spot where, um, you know, uh, Jericho and Guevara have their thing where uh, Guevara does, like, a spinneroonie, essentially, and just lays out, and Jericho, like, almost, like, just puts his um, elbow across him, like, that little pose thing they do together. So this time, Jericho did the spinneroonie thing in in a very comedic, like, old man way, and then Minoru Suzuki did the drop down to take the Jericho spot, and the only thing that was bad about it is the camera missed it because the director was yeah. having a bad night. Ah, uh, that sucks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, Suzuki helps them get the victory. Uh, uh, Jericho forces 
uh, Martin to tap out to the line tamer. And then they challenge Sting, Darby Allen to find a partner and fight them at Forbidden Door. Uh, Sting and Darby Allen come out. They talk for a little bit and announce that they're going to announce who their partner is at um, Collision, which we already spoke about in our predictions. We Most of us are assuming that it's Naito, but we won't know until we won't know for certain until tomorrow. Yeah. At first it was like, well they're friends with Punk, but Punk later announced for the Kojima match. And it probably should be a New Japan guy. I wouldn't hate it if it was Shingo, but the line was clearly Jericho, you've made a lot of enemies. And Naito and Jericho had a great feud for the IWGP XC title, so be him. Uh, then we had uh, like a, we had a, well, had a little shot of what was happening backstage with the Tony Schiavone and RJC getting names ready for the blind, blind eliminator tag tournament, which I can only assume is Battle Bowl, just an yeah. updated version like, of it. Yeah, lethal lottery type thing. Yeah, and so they then led into an Adam Cole and MJF promo segment, which was Adam Cole trying to get a rematch and MJF refusing it. So Tony Giovanni interrupts him and then uh, Cole and MJF tell him to shut up because they both hate Tony Giovanni. So that's, that's a, a good callback. Yeah. So that's a nice little touch. Um, and then they announced that Cole and MJF would be, had been matched together for the tournament. So they're going to be teaming up for the tournament and, trying to fight for an opportunity at the tag team title. So that's an interesting direction for this feud to take. And then Cole uh, basically jided MJF into making sure that he accepted the challenge of Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. So we are, in fact, going to see MJF versus Tanahashi, which, again, we predicted as the Forbidden Door thing. A lot of this stuff relates to Forbidden Door, including what was next, which was uh, Orange Cassidy and Shibata versus Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. Again, really fun tag team match. These guys were all really good. And Garcia pinned Shibata. And that sets up the four-way match for the International Championship, which should be, again, a really fun match. Uh, TBS title. Chris Statland has defended the title three times now already, which feels like more than Jay Cargill did in the last six months of her own. Yep. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, Chris Statlander faced Ty Valkyrie, which had been built for a while. It's uh, pretty nice. to. It's a rare thing to see the women main event an episode of Dynamite. So they got to have a pretty decent match and Statlander retained. Um, I think I'd probably echo a lot of what other people say is that I don't want to see her jumping on her knees anymore. So after, after the injuries that she suffered. So maybe, hopefully, she takes that move out of her arsenal and just does. Well, it's either that instead. or the four fifty, and I don't want to see her do that. I mean, the so. four fifty, I can, I can, like, it doesn't land on the knees, or at least it shouldn't land on the knees if it's done correctly. I just, I don't think like a tombstone where you're jumping onto like two knees that are pretty much surgically repaired. That maybe find another move than that. Don't want her to get uh, injured for a long time again. And then basically what was the through line for the entire show was led to the main event segment. So BCC announced that they're going to have a team of five for Findor. So that's obviously Moxley, Utah, Castagnoli, uh, Takeshita and Shota Umino. And they're going to be taking on Hangman, the Bucks, Eddie Kingston and who Eddie Kingston announced in this segment, which would be Tomohiro Ishii. They had a bit of a... Uh, 
a stare down and a promo battle between Eddie Kingston and Mox, who are obviously friends but are now on different sides of this of this war. Um, Danielson came out, started beating people up, said he was going to stomp Ishii's head in, and then Okada comes out, he gets a big pop, he takes uh, uh, Uter, Uter out with the Rainmaker. Yeah, it was just like a nice little hot angle to sign off for one of the biggest matches, well, two of the biggest matches technically of the show, which is the 5-on-5 and then the Okada-Danielson match. So I think overall this was a very successful go-home show. And yeah, my excitement for Forbidden Door still remains as high as ever. I have a question just for fun. How long do you think they're going to give Danielson and Okada? Hmm. I'd say you're looking around about the half an hour mark, I think. Yeah. I think that they're getting a half hour for sure. It depends on if they give them like the time limit thing ends up being like, oh, you know, for event time remaining where they can kind of just play around with it. Or they might end up just saying, hey, look, it's a 60 minute limit, but without doing the 60 minutes, I think we're getting about a half hour. I think it's a, what's, what's a non-title match and non-title matches in AEW, they have a 30 minute time limit, don't they? Right. But they could always just be like, uh, you know. Oh yeah, this one could be like a special exception to it. But um, I don't think it's ending in a time limit draw. So I think that they might play around with that half hour and just sort of be like, well, we're not going to do the time limit thing anyway. So it might end up being like 33 minutes or something. Probably not. I'm just looking at um, Okada's match at Wrestle Kingdom against Jay White as some kind of comparison point, and that one was actually 33 minutes. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then Omega versus Osprey was 34, uh, 30. So, so basically, those two matches could take up over an hour of the show themselves. So, um, but yeah, as I say, I, I don't know for certain how long it's going to be, but all I can hope is that that is as that's at the time they do do it is as good as we expect it to be which of course we won't know until sunday but we are looking forward to that and we will be doing the coverage over there on smartcombo.com i'll uh, be doing my uh, spoiler in case somebody doesn't know just so we can say we talked about it uh john morrison has returned and will be joining qtv what do we think what's he calling himself johnny qtv it's Johnny. Yeah, yeah. It's Johnny Elite, I think, still, but probably going to be Johnny we, I, QTV. I thought I saw like the thing that, um, that or someone had leaked positive the idea. I don't know if it was just like somebody just saying on Twitter that his name would be Johnny TV. I hope it's not Johnny TV, guys. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> TV. Uh, Johnny QTV, so it makes sense. I mean, seems, yeah. to, seems to lean into the idea that Tyre will join them as well and turn heel in the process. Just, just fucking call him John. John Morrison or John John Hennigan would call him something that isn't Johnny TV. Like I don't know, I kinda like the Johnny TV name. <laughs> Cause it's ridiculous. So what the hell, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's just like I, I I don't know. I don't really I'm not super pumped about him joining AEW. I just think it's just another body that had some uh that had some name value from WWE several years ago that won't actually add anything in terms of in-ring quality or even like charisma or stuff like that because I don't think he's 
as I, I, I don't want him to be taking up time that other people in the show that are already lacking a bit of screen time should be getting. So let me, let me put it to you like this. I think, as evident by his debut, I think he, he's going to be Johnny Rampage. So I don't know if he'll be taking up too much time. I still would rather him be a part of the WWE family. I think that that suits him better. But if they don't want him, then that's a different story. <laughs> I think uh, Ms. Morrison is going to be one of my favorite things he did. Mm-hmm. Ms. Morrison perpetually is in my list of like my favorite tag teams of all time. Spoiler alert for my all-time fantasy card. Which I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to do that. It'll happen sometime this year, probably. Um, probably Actually, probably towards the end of the year. Probably around that December time frame when, when I need to record things in advance. Anyway, advance recording stuff is happening next week or the week after. Uh, of course, next week we have Money in the Bank. But before that, we have Forbidden Door. So on Sunday night, make sure you are checking in for the pay-per-view point post show of when we run down everything that happened immediately following the pay-per-view. Of course, make sure you have your email alerts set up. Make sure that you have your subscription going on for YouTube and whatever else that you have going on with that front. Make sure that you are, of course, also paying attention to fanboysanonymous.com for everything that's happening over there on the blue brand. Of course, go over and check out the Blueprint Project and watch the fifth video of the Chapter 5, The Batman, A Nighttime Story. Make sure you are clicking around on all the other social media accounts and everything like that. Go to the link tree that I've got up on amangotree.com and start clicking on all those things, including my personal accounts at Tony Mango. And make sure you're following Rob and Callum. You can follow me everywhere at Dude Felice. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, now Blue Sky. For anybody who's on Blue Sky, I'm on Blue Sky. I got an invite code. Look at all this Um, sky blue and blue sky. Yes. Uh, so you can follow me there. Check out my writing on Fightful and WrestleZone. And I give you to Callum again. Follow me on Twitter at Wikimeister14. Check out the power rankings over at smartcamo.com where I rank the WWE wrestlers for the past week of activities. And then you can also find the Fantasy League over on Smartcamo Moment or at www.fantasyleague.com to see how our teams are doing and how we are picking up points as we head towards Money in the Bank and the next opportunity for the teams to. Uh, change and the bigger points to get scored. Okay. Okay. Everybody. That's it for this round of the hot tags. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving your comments below. Thanks for hitting that like button. If you didn't, then no, thank you. Uh, why aren't you doing that? You're making me sad. And <laughs> we will see you on Sunday night, but that's it for now. Adios. This has been another smart out moment and we are being counted out.